Welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature-centered paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms, through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host on Circle Talk. Circle Talk is one of the shows featured on CSNP, Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. CSNP has a lineup of rotating shows through each month. Mondays feature Lunatic Mondays with host Laura Gonzalez. It can't be Tuesday without Circle Talk, and I will continue to be the host for this fun discussion show on the first and third Tuesday of each month. Wednesdays feature none other than Selena Fox with her show, Circle of Nature. The second and fourth Friday of each month features Songs of the Pagan Tribe, hosted by Kern Greenman. Less talk, more pagan music, exploring the songs and people and the wonderful, inspiring world of pagan music. And the third Friday of each month features Blue Marble, an Echo Educational, Echo Restorational, and Echo Spirituality podcast that features adventures, stories about climate impacts with climate solutions, and how you can manifest good energy for the planet. Celebrate the next full moon online with Circle Sanctuary Community. The theme is Yuletide Revels and takes place on Tuesday, December 26th. Full moon circles begin at 7 p.m. Central Time, which is 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Mountain, or 4 p.m. Pacific Time. Circle Sanctuary full moon circles include invocations, music, meditations, poetry, reflection, and ritual workings. They are facilitated by Circle Sanctuary ministers, Reverend Selena Fox and Reverend Judith Sizes, plus other members of the Circle Sanctuary community. Those joining online are invited to bring a candle to Kindle during the ritual and are invited to interact with others in the chat on YouTube. Attendance is free and no registration is required. For more information, please go to circlesanctuary.org. Tonight on Circle Talk, we're going to be learning practical and spiritual tools and practices that will help us create our own personal sacred space. Author Jill Angelo will be our gentle guide as we discover the simple and easy to implement steps to transforming our homes into a harmonious refuge. Her new book, Sacred Space, will help us create sacred space that allows us to connect to the divine, find balance at home, and clear the physical and mental clutter of everyday life. Jill Angelo has worked for more than 25 years in business and operations management after receiving an education in marketing and design. With a background in both psychology and the mystic arts, she took her diverse toolkit into the fast-moving world of spiritual self-help publishing, where she has worked with such authors as Marianne Williamson, Andrew Harvey, and my favorite, Matthew Fox. During that time, she dwelled deeply into spiritual studies and practices, traveling extensively to Asia, Africa, Europe, and North America. Her fine-tuned abilities and out-of-the-box approach to life have uniquely prepared her for creating sacred spaces for people with wide-ranging interests and budgets. 
She is the author of the book, Turning Your Home into a Sanctuary. And we're going to be talking about that book tonight. Jill is the founder of Moondog Farm, a 501c3 U.S. nonprofit and ordained animal chaplain dedicated to honor animal lives and heal human hearts. And if you would like some more information to get her book, please go to her website at www.jillangelo.com. That is www.jillangelo.com. Let's welcome Jill to Circle Talk. Welcome, Jill. Hi. Hi, hi, hi. Thank you. So good to be with you again. It is. And I have to tell our listeners, I actually, Jill was a feature. She was a presenter at the Parliament of World's Religions um, this year. And I got to meet her and I attended her presentation and it was excellent. So I asked her to be on Circle Talk. So congratulations on your new book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Did you enjoy the Parliament? I did. I did. And it's my second. I was at Toronto and Toronto was a different feel. It was a little bit closer together. It wasn't nearly as spread out as Chicago was. Yeah. Um, but what's not to love about Parliament except registration? That took quite a long time. That's fun. <laughs> I know. We, we laughed earlier because um, they did not the work the Chicago where we were at everything was really spread out and difficult yeah. to find and they put you kind of in a, a, a secluded area and your people found you your workshop was packed were you surprised I was super surprised because <laughs> secluded was a, gen, a very nice kind word I referred to it more as the basement or the ball of where we were because we almost couldn't find it that was the exit to the parking garage <laughs> so funny but people showed up and I was so thrilled that people wanted to spend time with me in sacred space I did and it was not and it's funny because I obviously was there for the whole week and and you know some presentations people listened very politely maybe asked a few questions but people were really participating and yeah and doing and asking questions and doing yeah. stuff so great job well yeah. done Jill thank you very much thank you very much there's so something about making it I'm sorry there's something about making it easy and approachable and hands-on that people want to participate. Absolutely. So tell us about your newest book. How did, how, what was the inspiration behind that book? Well, it's, it's new in its own way because people are still finding it. It's actually a bit older. And it goes back to, if you want to tell God your plans, if you want to make God laugh, you tell him your plans. Absolutely. And so I was with a gentleman that I had been with for quite some time, and we got engaged. Well, let me back up. We bought a house, a house that mm -hmm. I had driven past for years and years and years, and something told me I'm going to live in this house. And I had just started dating him at that point, so it didn't, you know, it I was a baby spiritual seeker at that point, I guess is the best way to look at it, right? So the long and the short of it is, fast forward, we buy the house that we had driven by. And now we're in the house, and it was a fixer-upper. And on Sunday, on a Sunday, not even two weeks in, we had, you know, gutted as much as we could. 
without within living to be able to maintain what we were doing at what we were doing. And mm-hmm. he was pretty spiritual himself. And he had a dream. And it was a very vivid dream. And there was a car accident. And it included five cars and a multiple of people. Wow. And I was the person in the car accident. So he called me freaked out and I was grocery shopping and he's like, can you, can you just come home? And, you know, I'd known him well enough at this point that it was the right thing to do. I left the grocery Uh cart. I went home. So we talked about it. We ordered a pizza. We moved on. Monday, we got engaged and completely surprised me. You know, the ring that I wanted, all the things, never thought this was going to happen. And Tuesday morning comes. And he is climbing out of his skin. And he is, it is uncomfortable that he is behaving in this way. And I'm thinking, he doesn't want to marry me. <laughs> this was a joke. Right. Forget Nerves. it. Feet, the whole thing, right? Yeah. And so we worked through it. Everything was okay. We go to work. Um, this is 1999. So we're really not cell phoning and texting at this point. We're still paging each other. Okay. So we can't check in that way. Right. So he calls from a bag phone. I think he had a bag phone at that point. And, um, or we just got to flip phones and he was on his way home. The carpenters and the contractors were going to meet him at the house. And his last words were, I love you. And eight minutes later, he died in the exact same car accident that he had the premonition on Sunday. So I was so sorry, Jill. That is just so devastating and spooky. Yeah. How about it? How about it? So again, he was more on his spiritual path in his own way through the way that, you know, and I was, but not. Mm -hmm. But I became deeply as a result of him passing away. So now I have this four bedroom, two and a half bath, split level home that his mom's going to move in. His mom was a twin. So, you know, they skip, I'm going to get the, I'm going to have the Mm -hmm. kids, the twins. Like I had this whole life planned and now I'm trapped in a four bedroom, two and a half bath house that needs to be completely rehabbed in order for me to even sell it. And that's where mm-hmm. sacred space came from because I had to not only find a way to heal, I had to find a way to live. And at that point, it didn't matter where I went in the world. My grief was right with me. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? So we think that moving and the new car and the new this or the new that is going to bring us whatever quote it is. And mm-hmm. it doesn't. You need to sit with it, rot with it, hate it, cry over it till the point where you can almost, if not love it, and move past. So that's how it all started. Goodness. Have you thought about writing a book on grief? Because your story is very inspirational that you were able to even function after that. I had probably one of the best psychotherapists you could ask for. And I asked to sleep on the floor and he told me no. He's like, you can come once a week. And we had talked about that, you know, you, you have to want to move through grief where Mm -hmm. you let it help change you and mold you and your broken heart into a stronger mosaic versus 
it becomes your identity and your life ends in some ways at those moments. Now, that's what happened for me. That's not to say there's a lot of different griefs out there that some people, you know, there's still some grief on my end too. Um, this wasn't my child. Mm -hmm. This wasn't my partner of 60, 70 years. Those are much deeper, complex levels of grief. And I'm, I'm well aware of that. So I want to make sure that I honor all people who are grieving, who hear this, because I don't know anybody who isn't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yes. That, wow. This is very timely. So um, for me, because I had someone who was very close to you passed away a year ago yesterday. So, and you're right. You can think that you're totally out of it and everything's okay. And then something you hear a song you yeah. see me as I will see someone who looks much like him so and then it just feels like it was yesterday yeah and other times it feels like it was a million years ago yeah yeah bless yeah. your heart yeah yours too. well tell me this is so interesting and um Again, your um, presentation and your book is very inspirational to me because I tend to be a pack rat and mm -hmm. busy. And mm -hmm. so I tend um, at times not to notice my mm -hmm. space. Mm -hmm. And so uh, since your presentation, I've made much more of a dedicated effort mm. to to um, do all the things you taught us in class. So tell us a little bit about that. Okay. So do you want me to go in the order of the way that the steps Absolutely. are? Absolutely. You go. Yes. You just okay. go in the order and tell us because that's what you did in the presentation. Right. And it, and it really, it really made um, sense. Okay. And I now make my bed every day. So good. anyway. Good, good, good. Okay. <laughs> so see, I listened. <laughs> so the first step in the order in which I think that they should be in creating sacred space is self-care. If you cannot take care of yourself, you are not going to function as well as you might think you are in taking care of anyone else or anything else or any, any, anything. Right. So, and that includes the simplest of things. And so let me also say that I am going, I am here to remind people, which is one of the things that I said at parliament, I'm here to remind you of what a lot of this is. Some of the, mm -hmm. not much of this is going to be like, wow, that's profound. Cause it's not about that. It's to be that gentle guide to remind you mm -hmm. of where we might lose our own direction because we're getting right. way too busy being focused in this constant level of we have to perform and we have to do when we're out doing it people and we put ourselves and in getting information all yeah, the time, all the time. It's not necessary in that way. And we can see that starting to come full circle because content is starting to really repeat itself because mm -hmm. of the amount of content that we're uploading. We're seeing it in multiple places and it's repetition. So mm -hmm. self-care. We all know that there's a thing we do, if not more than one thing that we do that we shouldn't be doing. So here's mm -hmm. mine. I should not drink iced coffee. I should not. Many people do not offer decaf iced coffee. I am a force of nature on my own. When I have iced coffee, I become a ricochet rabbit. It is, I'm, I get sick by it. I get headaches from it. I'm nauseous from it. I don't sleep well from it. My digestive tract is completely inflamed and ulcerative. And yet 
I could never get enough of it because it was like a literal addiction for me. Right. So thankfully rise is out there. So here's my little blurb for that, that mushroom coffee. Cause that stuff is the bomb. And I didn't even really? know about it at parliament. No, but parliament, thankfully there was no iced coffee because the one day I got it, it was terrible. So that was easy not to have it. But we also know we eat the wrong foods that we're not supposed to. We live in drive ups when we shouldn't. We literally will take things and eat it knowing we hear ourselves say, you know, you shouldn't do that. And you still do it. And self-care is uberly important when you look at and you get on a plane and the, the flight attendants say, if the oxygen mask falls, you put it on yourself. And then you give it to the person next to you, the small child next to you. But we have become programmed as a society to take care of everyone else and everything else before we start to take care of ourselves. And so I want to encourage everyone who's listening to make sure that you just slow yourself down and look after yourself. It'll make a world of difference. I promise. I absolutely promise. Carrying on to step two is spiritual practice and discipline and a spiritual mm -hmm. discipline we need to have that commitment with x y or z whether it's yoga whether it's reading from whatever sacred text you might have in the morning whether mm -hmm. you're part of a 12-step program of any sort or any type of program that you commit yourself to dance being outside and walking meditation, in a laying down, in a breathing meditation, there's so many of them. But it is uberly important to commit to that because when we commit to it, we're saying, back to step one, the level of importance now, not only to me, but me and my higher power, spirit, guide, call it what you want, that relationship is there. And if you're not sure that you have one, when you start taking care of and focusing on yourself and start getting quiet, you're going to hear those voices that come to you that give you guidance to direct you where you need to go. Absolutely. Yeah. It's again, it, it's simple, but we need to remember. We need to remember. But you, but you said something very important that I have learned is that um, and I always say the gods only speak to me in whispers. So yeah. if I'm loud and I have a lot of distractions around me, I won't hear it. And so you're right. I do meditation. I have to create space where I'm quiet because I'm not quiet naturally. Mm. Well, and, and, and yet life is to be lived. So why would we always want to be too, right? Because we are voices for others as well as ourselves. Um, I had it in one of my spiritual teachings presented to me that the soul speaks to you quietly and whisper and the ego is loud and agitated, egging you on to keep going and going and doing and doing. And so that's been a very good guide for me when, and ironically enough, the more iced coffee I had, the more that constant keep going and going and going, ego kept talking, you have to accomplish, come about. The third level of sacred space is purification and purification purification is one that we touched on at parliament in cleaning um and we all kind of laughed at this because we all have drawers or 
closets full of things that we don't know what to do with or we don't want or we don't want to insult our family because I think I made the reference about my grandmother's candlesticks. And my favorite is most of the people who come for sacred space have already been married, are married, have children. We're in our late 30s, 40s. We've lived for a while and see what doesn't work for us and know that we want to have some level of change or we're moving through empty nesting or those kinds of things. We're on our last child if we're having children, not necessarily our first child. And so one of the references that I'd like to make is most of us women have an article or two of clothing in our closets that we all have hope one day that we're going to get into. And yet we don't have those bodies anymore. We've matured into women, people that we are proud to be, people that we've taken many lickings and a lot of trials and tribulations along with the joys and the accomplishments to become who we've become. So I ask people, why would you want to put those jeans back on and kind of go backward in time right. to that part of life when you are who you've become now? And I guess it kind of related when, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to go back to high school or wanting to see our 20s again or that. I get it. There were great joyous moments in them. But if given the opportunity to reside there, which going in that level of time, I don't think many of us would want to. You know, I don't. I could see women who have been divorced holding on to their gowns because their bridal gowns, because their daughter might wear it. And for that, all day long, I see holding on to them. And yet there's also those that never got the chance because it was the wrong time, the wrong person at the wrong time. And that's where it's important where I do encourage people to clear clutter and to go through our drawers and whatever. And it doesn't have to be the whole house at once, right? It could be one drawer. If you're not sure, start with your junk drawer because we all got a catch-all drawer. Just clean that and see where the energy takes you. Where can it lead you to? And then when we were hands-on, I know that I, I put sound bowls that came around. I had tinctures, the little symbols, and had people clear their physical space while we were in class. You can clear with crystals and salt, excuse me, new moon. A little bit about that for our um, listeners, how to clear space. Like if I've cleared clutter and I've cleaned, what can you spiritually do to a space? What I start with and ask everybody to consider doing is once you've accumulated all the clutter that you no longer want. So we start with three piles, what I'm going to keep, what I'm not sure that I want, and what I know I don't want. The things that you're not sure about, sleep on it for one night and the next day decide. By then you should know. You either want it or you don't want it. If you're uncertain and it's closed, just ask yourself when the last time you wore it. If you haven't worn it in six months to a year, that's a no-brainer. It's got to go. But I also ask people to thank everything because we know that energy travels. Our energy is on all of that The because we know that this is the dress that I wore to this wedding or... This is the dress that I wore to this funeral. We know the differences of what we're doing and those energies travel with those items. So you want to thank them. You want to thank it, surround it, say a thankful prayer. It doesn't have to be a lot, but you don't want that energy to travel with it. 
especially if it's not good energy. Because if you send it to a thrift store, I have this thing where I walk past Mission Furniture and I go, just stand erect. Like I freeze in front of Mission Furniture. I don't know where it comes from, but I know I'm very uneasy around Mission That's Furniture. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. And I, it just, it makes me freeze. But it's kind of like we know when we walk into somebody's house where we talk about, well, Susie's having a party and Mary's having a party. And when Susie has the party, we can't wait to go. We're going to buy a new item. We wear to work, right? We're going to call her. What can I bring? What can I bring? What can I bring? And then when the other one has the party, we're like, yeah, I'm really busy. I don't want to go. Because that's all energy too. And we have to be aware of how that energy plays off our energy. So now we're back to where are we with self-care and protecting ourselves and protecting the temple of who we are and what we are. Mm -hmm. So, I ask people to thank those items before they go, because I think that's really, really important for the energy and the, and the purpose at which it's served. Sometimes we wear an item a couple of times and that's it. We don't need it anymore. So to be thankful for any of it before we pass it on, you can clear a room with simple prayer and intention and meditation and sit in the center of it. We can bring in all kinds of extra tools if you want to, but if you don't have it, you just want to do something simple, then walk in the room and sit in the center of the room in the direction that you feel most comfortable and just be with your presence and your energy and feel the difference. And if you're not sure, then I promise most of us, most of us have a room or had a room where Case in point, holidays are coming. Many, many people are going to go on this lose weight regimen for the new year. We're all going to buy equipment, right? We're going to do that Peloton. We're going to bring that sucker in our house. And then by March or April, all of our clothes are hanging on it <laughs> to hide it because we don't want to do it anymore. But we're psychologically, we don't even realize that we're doing it, right? All of a sudden you look at it and it's like, look it, I don't have a closet anymore because all my clothes are hanging on the Peloton or whatever it is because we're hiding it and we're using it as a shield to protect ourselves. So I think it's just important to be really realistic with yourself. If, if weight loss is something that you want to do and you're going to purify that space, be gentle. No one says it's a race. No one says that you have to go crazy about doing it. You know, hold on to those clothes and keep them in a space. And if you do go back to them for a bit of time because you went through a stressful part of life and you started eating and whatnot again, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It is so okay. Society's who says it isn't. So when we clear that space of purification and we move out the things that no longer serve us, we open up all that extra space for new to come. And that's so exciting. Mm -hmm. It's so exciting. So just try with the junk drawer or the catch-all space or the basket or whatever it is. Okay. I like the idea that you create space for, for new things. That is very yeah. motivating to do it. Very important too, because many of us in the holiday season do not find the joy of it. It is a struggle. Mm -hmm. It is hard. And an and economy contributes to it and expectations of, newest marketing and all the things that are out there that we can't afford or don't need to afford the Pinterest or an Instagram Christmas where it's perfect. Yeah. Right. And, and that is so 
I kind of tuned out of all of it now. It's not the way we live. It's not the way I want to live. And I look at all that stuff and I almost feel suffocated by it. Mm-hmm. It's lovely. But imagine having to pack it all up, put it all up, store it all, take it all down. That's exhausting. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. One simple little anything is enough festivity. So, you know, here's your permission. Go easy on yourselves. You know, and in my house growing up, we got one or two things and that was it. What we really wanted. We didn't need more than that. You know, it, it's called keep it simple for a reason. So nature is the fourth step. And I feel that we cannot have enough nature, nature, nature. Real flowers, not fake flowers, not dry flowers, real fragrances, not fabricated Febreze, sorry Febreze, fake smells. They take a toll on us. They take a toll on our animals. All those sprays that we put in the room, baking soda is a beautiful, natural way to absorb bad odor, right? Fresh lemons, fresh fruit, those fresh citrus smells, or Get eucalyptus at the market or rosemary at the market and put those in vases. Hang them in your shower. The steam in your shower makes the whole bathroom smell wonderful. It's important that when you look at it from an artistic way, too, we go to these box stores and we buy art. And I'm talking regular art. I'm not talking collectible art. Collectible art, completely, entirely different thing. Buy it, hang it, be proud. But when you're looking at a photo of the Golden Gate Bridge and you've been to the Golden Gate Bridge, why are you buying someone else's work? Why aren't you putting up your own? Because that's another part that what creates a sacred space is I would if I were to come into anyone's home, I would want to pick up items and go, where did this come from? Tell me the story about this. Where did this come from? Tell me the story about this. If you came to my home. I could honestly tell you the story of every item that is out and about in my house, why I picked the art I picked, why it came from where it came from, who gave it to me, because that's what sacred space is. It's telling us about ourselves to other people. And again, to your point of when we started, this is a place you want to come home to. You want to find slumber. You want to rest and be and rejuvenate and refresh ourselves versus coming in and feeling absolutely utterly defeated because we live in a world of clutter Mm -hmm. right getting out in nature natural light versus overhead lights let Mm -hmm. the sun in let the sun sets in and my goodness let the moon in Mm -hmm. especially now right i mean we're coming up on solstice it's such a beautiful time to go under and be in the darkness Because you can't avoid it anyway. It's happening naturally. So welcome it and embrace it. There's so much to learn in the dark if you're willing to sit with it. Five is color. And five is my favorite because you got to participate in this. Uh That was fun. Tell tell our listeners um, what you did. Walk them through this if they can't see it. It's so fun. When I teach Sacred Space Live, I will blindfold you. So I did pass out blindfolds to everybody in class, as many as I had. I did not do the ears. I even bring earplugs to put in your ears. And 
with the blindfolds, I do it on purpose to take away your senses to engage your other senses. So for color, I have two brand new boxes of 64 crayons. And I get super excited when I talk about it because most all of you in that room go right into your child. So what we talked about is people agonize, agonize, agonize. Oh, it takes a long time to pick your crown. So when I'm watching people discuss, like the farmhouse look is the look right now, right? And I'm in all these farmhouse groups and these women will put up five and six swatches of white paint that if I didn't have my glasses on, I couldn't tell the difference of any of them anyway. They are so close to each other. But yet I give you a box of 64 and man, you could pick out your favorite color without thinking about it. And I'm watching people. And can I tell you that after you all left, and um, my friend Katie and Alex, who were with me, they brought the crayons back up. Do you know that I was missing almost a box full when I started to recoordinate the crayons? People took their favorite color with them. I love it. They took their crayon with them. I thought you were supposed to. I stole mine. I, will I tell you. love it. But what I find interesting yep. is that we all had different colors. Yes. And you because we did. were... We were, like I said, we were dwelling deep, taking yep. time, talking about it. And, yep. and you know, I, and several people there, I was by myself, but several people there with like group of friends. Yep. And somebody said, that's your favorite color. And, and people were talking about it. It was really, really fun. And they were. How different we are. Right. And, and it was interesting because I know I said my favorite color is purple. Now, this is purple today, mm-hmm. but I don't have that much purple. And so I thought about it for a while. It's like, is purple really my favorite color? And the truth is, is that it really is my favorite color. But even if we have one or two things that super make us happy over it, that's all you need. It doesn't mean that the entire room has to be done that way. It's just how do you feel when you have that? And if it's something that's an empowering type of color for you, then Is it in your wardrobe? Are you wearing it? Are you using it to your advantage? Like if you give speeches and purple is your favorite color, I'm hoping you're probably super powerful already. Put a purple tie on or a purple scarf and see what happens. Right. 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 That's how powerful color is and how it touches our lives. But again, we're with the societal trend. So let's all be farmhouse and we all have white, which is great. Right. But when you get to your child and watching all of you, you were all animated. And yeah, that was, was fun. Part. It was so awesome to see that. So I don't think you can have enough color. And that doesn't mean that if you're a neutral type of person, there's anything wrong there either. That aesthetic is gorgeous. Then bring home the flowers. Bring right. home the nature that supports that component for you. And if it's seasonal, then it's seasonal. Bring in, you know, daisies this time and whatever step and notice another time because of the way the flowers and the cycles go of what grows in our gardens so I think that's super important where how color speaks to the true nature of who we are and then we would still have our blindfolds on which you did and then we moved into texture and texture took a lot of time touching all those things and I was surprised with the blindfold on and not being able to see the color or anything how the reactions were different when you, when you feel them. True. Because so many people don't like lace when they see lace, 
but they're not as opposed to lace when they don't look at it before they, right. So I think there were nine different, I think we cut those up to have nine different types of texture. Mm -hmm. And there is a difference with satin or what does velvet feel like or polar fleece. Like this thing I'm wearing right now is purple polar fleece. It is the most comforting piece. And I was explaining to Steven before we started, it's got, um, betting on it because I was with my pot belly pig Elmer before I came in and Elmer knows me. So I have the betting on me from, from his nose, but this, when I put this polar fleece on along with texture, how does that make you feel when you feel your mm-hmm. favorites? How do you feel if you put on a terry cloth robe versus a fleece robe versus a chenille robe? How does mm-hmm. it speak to your senses? And if you're not sure, close your eyes, put a bandana over you, put a headband over you, just do it in your bathroom and feel your towels because we all, we don't always have the same. Most of us will mix and match with colors, feel them with your eyes closed and see how it speaks to you. Close your eyes when you're in your bed. What does that feel like? Like right now for the holidays and for winter, we of course have polar fleece sheets Mm -hmm. on our bed and bed is the happiest place in the world for me. It is slumber. And to what you were saying before, make your bed every day. Mm-hmm. You, When you make your bed every day, you're sending a message to yourself, to universe, about where you're starting and your beginning, right? How the new day is here. The last thing you want is to wake up late, throw the blankets off, rush out of bed, go to work. Everything is flustered. You're in fast forward motion. And then you come home, you're exhausted. And you look at your bed and whether you realize it or not, if you're not sure, think of what you feel like when you go on vacation and you walk in the hotel room and that bed is pristine. Mm -hmm. And you see that bed and you're like, oh my God, look at how beautiful that is. Why do you have to wait to go on vacation? Do that in your own home. That doesn't mean you need to have all the throw pillows and all the things. Just honor yourself by making the beautiful bed that you call your own every day. It does become a habit. And you said that once you have the discipline to do it, then it becomes, it feels odd if you do not. Correct. And you won't look at the room the same way when you walk in because it'll look clustered. It'll be Mm -hmm. undone. And that's a reflection of where you are. You'll also notice if you can bring yourself to leave your phone. Well, most of us can't leave our phones out of the room. But if you can at least leave it on a dresser or on a nightstand, not under your pillow, and you discipline yourself to shut off and not scroll, even if you lay in the dark and you have natural light coming through where you can see the stars or the moon, that will prepare you for your body to regulate itself to slowly, naturally start to shut down. But when we're scrolling for an hour before bed and we're watching YouTube videos and all the things, you're not going to sleep well. But that all kind of goes hand in hand and back to self-care, right? Our first step. How are you looking after you? And burning the candle at both ends and staying up that late is not it. I mean, Scott and I try really hard to get eight hours of sleep a night. And we both can tell the difference. We're in our mid-50s. I can tell the difference now if I don't get that sleep. Because otherwise, what would I I do? I'm watching TV, right? I'd be watching TV, pointless TV. Well, I, for years, went to sleep to YouTube. I would, because I would have problems falling asleep, and I would put, um, I had to, I do 
rubber stamping and scrapbooking and art. And I would have certain um, um, people that I knew that had kind of a monotone voice. Mm-hmm. And that I, and then I read an article that said, that's the blue light. That is not very good. And so I quit doing it and I sleep much better. That's good. That's good. And letting a little bit of fresh air in there where it's a little bit chillier makes mm-hmm. a huge difference of sleeping well as well. It really does. And, you know, some people sleep great because their pets are with them or Mm -hmm. some people like to have their kids sleep with them. I get it. But your children are going to be thrashing around and moving around and you are not fully going to sleep because psychologically you're going to be worried about rolling over and all those things that we do. So if they sleep, you know, if there's a way that they can sleep by you but not with you, give yourself that opportunity, right? I get moms who have to breastfeed and do all that at night. That's right. like a different kind of place. That's temporary. Right. right. And I know when you do get to sleep and somebody watches that baby for you, you pass out. Right. It's hard. Sleep hard. Hopefully. Right. You get to REM where your body can rejuvenate itself so right. you can feel rested versus waking up being exhausted, more exhausted than you might have been before you slept. So right. um, sound is important. We all have different versions of sound, whether it's music that we live for or and I'm all about. I think I talked about Tina Turner and myself and Andrew Harvey because we both love Tina Turner. And yet I also love classical music and I play classical music in the rooms where we have our animals that I've all been um, part of Moondog Farm. The guinea pigs and rabbits listen to classical music or they listen to NPR Um, where we rotate it with talk radio, where there's something that we're learning, that we're brought up to speed Uh about what's going on in the world. Um, Sound can be the the gong bats. It can be the um, um, those big bowls, the sounding bowls, tingshas. There's so many different versions. So what calls to you? And when you're using it, know that it's also going into a level of purification for you, too, because it raises for us, right? Our our heart might be harder because it's something that we love or enjoy. If we start dancing, we start becoming more physical. Now we're into the self-care component. Mm-hmm. If we're releasing, we're in the purification component. If we're doing it outside, we're coupling it with nature. So all these things kind of piggyback on top of each other. But if you're not listening to it and you're not bringing enough of it in, how can you bring more in? Because listening to Bach could be much better than scrolling or watching something pointless to make the time go by on our phone or a walking meditation is still a version of sound. The waves on the beach. So many people say that they're restored by that, yet so many of us don't live by it. So maybe you need a wave sound meditation for nature or for the sound component for yourself. So my question would be, what is your favorite and how can you bring that and incorporate that into everyday life? Even if it's too much, um, Side note, when I work with people in the shelter system as a chaplain, and one of the things we tell people when my specific focus is on people in shelters because of how stressful it is to be in an animal shelter, we tell them, if you work there and you happen to be in the cat room, 
go get yourself a cat because when they start purring, what that does for our overall body is absolutely incredible. Now, I understand there are plenty of people who are allergic. Still, though, there are plenty of cat purring meditations that you can get on YouTube. Turn it on, close your eyes, listen to it. Keep it on as loud as you can bear. If you can lay down, great. If you can't sit, life-changing. Your heartbeat will slow down. Everything just kind of comes back to center. Even if you take your break in your car and you do it in your car, how can you bring in more sound? And then we do smell. And smell, we're back to the nature component again. We don't need fabricated smells. They're not the same. They're full of chemicals. So as much as you can bring in of natural smell, do it. If you have pets, it's better for them. If you have children who have allergies, good probability, or you even as a human, as an adult have it, there's a good probability that it's the stuff around us that is contributing to it. So if we can alleviate it and bring as much natural in as possible, that's super important. Like I always marvel at people who buy those giant candles with the 12 wicks in it, and it smells like I don't know what, but I can't be around any of those kind of fabricated smells anymore. Um, really heavy perfumes. They become overwhelming when you start to step back from having them in. And you feel your body starts to shift where you're like, wait a minute, that's not something I'm used to having anymore. And I get it. The holidays and all that stuff is coming. So we all kind of do what we need to do or have to do at that point. But if you can keep us, if you can keep things as natural as possible, overall, you'll start to feel even better. We're, we're back to the rosemary, growing your own right. herbs in the window. All those smells are really, really good the freshness of it and mm -hmm. simple things like homemade chocolate chip cookies are so much better than store-bought chocolate chip. Absolutely. Cookies, right. So if we're not scrolling, we could be making those homemade chocolate right. chip cookies that make the whole room smell good. We're into the self-care thing. We're doing all of the steps. They start to work all interchangeably. I've only got a couple more. Um, solitude. Solitude is super important. And I want to honor families where parents are both working jobs and we're dropping kids off at sitters an hour before school starts because mom and dad have demanding jobs and they need to get here. And then kids are in all these after school programs for a myriad of reasons of why. And, you know, we've got society we've got these kids that are driven we've got parents who want their kids to do it and all of it is right because i'm not here to judge that my point is solitude for some people is driving to work in the quiet of their car because that is all they have and that is absolutely okay for some moms it's the only shower that they get right go into the bathroom and they're with themselves right and, and somebody's watching the kid or the kid fell asleep or whatever, and they get that time in the bathroom, embrace it, embrace right. it. And, and little by little, you might see yourself finding ways to get more of it. And that's great because it's a nurturing component that you need. We're back to the self-care mm -hmm. component. It's that nurturing component that you need. 
It's not necessarily about it all being silent. It's how you're taking it in for yourself. I would encourage people not to look at it because sometimes when you're waiting for your kid and your kid's got a game and you're in the car and you're waiting and now you're scrolling and you're doing all the things, I'd ask you, can you sit quietly? Can you just be with yourself? Can you close your eyes for just that 10 minutes waiting and see what effect it has when you get home, when homework has to get done or chores need to get done? It really will benefit you. And it's important. It really is important. How we sit in silence is one thing, but the solitude is when we embrace it and we enjoy it. We, we know we need it, the quiet. Alter is number 10, and Alter is actually one of my absolute favorites, and we talked about this in, um, in the group too. We all know what the church-like altars are, those sacred, mm -hmm. massive, beautiful churches, synagogues, temples. Right. Everybody's got a version there. This isn't that. It's being aware of the practical altars that we have are outdoor altars that we have. The holidays are coming. We all just, most of us celebrated Thanksgiving or our form of Thanksgiving. In any way that it was celebrated, most likely a table had been set. That table becomes an altar. The mantle, when we decorate for Christmas, is a practical altar. Our desks are altars. The bathroom sink, when we put our makeup and arrange our makeup to get ready every day. Our showers are versions because we have everything specifically placed. And if you think it's not, I worked at a company and my desk was my altar and I knew it. And right. um, they would mess with me. They'd move my pens and pencils. They'd lower my chair. They'd move my paper. And I would get really upset over it because... Uh -huh. What they didn't realize is the one pen was my favorite pen that I signed contracts with. And my other pen was my pen that I signed checks with. And they all had a level of symbolism that mm -hmm. went alongside pride and senses of accomplishment and participation and team playing and representation of the company for which I worked and I believed in and I wanted to be in. Now, right. they weren't doing it to upset me. They were goofing around because my desk right. had everything specifically placed. Right. But when you put that photo of your family there, that's part of your altar. It's part of who you are. Right. right? And it gets its own energy. It sure does. It sure does. And, you know, when you're looking at clutter, people who work in those environments where we have all of our stuff mm -hmm. stacked all around us, they're doing that more often than not. They didn't get that when they were kids. They do it as adults because it's literally like a fortress for them to have the opportunity to be, to protect themselves, to give themselves that kind of time out. It's kind of the opposite of us all putting our clothes on the Peloton, right? Because we don't want to yeah. face it. This is how right. we bring ourselves in and we get ourselves that privacy. We don't have to be engaged. When we want people to stay away from us, but we don't want to be rude and go, hey, can you go away? I don't want to work with you today. If I stack up all my papers and my files and my books around me, you might just leave me alone. Still think I'm so busy that I don't have time. Right. 
that you don't have time. Right. And I'm not saying that people don't. And I'm not saying that people like in the law field where they have all those giant folders, that that doesn't happen too. It's the concept of also be mindful. What message are you sending? If I walked in and I looked at your desk, if I looked at your mantle, right? Is your Christmas tree, the beautiful Christmas tree that has all the dough ornaments and stuff that they like every ornament has history or do you have one of those magnificent trees that you like just bought out of X catalog and it's stunning. It's stunning, but the whole it's concept, not you. but it's not you. Exactly right. Exactly right. It might be who you think. I mean, back in my professional days, I think I shared this. I had a closet full of clothes, pinstripe button shirts, all that stuff. They still had the tags after them long after I was gone. But when he passed away, you better believe those went out because that was not who I was. It's who I thought I wanted to be. It really was. So the last two steps are text, written word, written word. And we live in a in a world now where everything is digital and there's nothing wrong with digital. There isn't. But I have two books that I bought when I traveled through Italy that were poetry books that are from 1919 and the paper is paper thin. And one is Mm -hmm. called Una Passion and it's a man's love for a woman. And the entire book is on Italian poetry and I can read bits and pieces, but I don't need to because when I hold that book and I touch it, you can feel it. You're absolutely right. So what are you decorating with when you have, books around are they telling the story of who you are are they reflections of who you are to your point of the scrapbooks and the stuff that you do in the rubber Uh stamping do you have that displayed so if I came I could see that and learn all about you by looking at it and your most memorable moments and your family moments I mean that really tells the story of who you are and they Uh make it so beautiful now that they're centerpieces play and I don't think adults especially women take time to play and I think play is so incredibly agreed important to our emotional health agreed agreed because society says we're not supposed to we're supposed to have you know x number of children and you know be in the gym and see our friends and entertain and all the things and it's like you know sometimes no is the greatest word on the vote on the face of the earth sorry can't do it I'm taking care of myself finally journaling finally journaling And journaling, journaling is a different thing to every person. You can online journal, you can handwrite journal, you can, it it doesn't matter as long as you're in a position that you can write down how you're feeling, whether it's good or it's bad, Because the good needs to be celebrated and the bad needs to be released. We can't contain all that inside of us. If it's one word that says sadness, writing it down helps let it out of our body. So we're not containing it where it's showing up in other ways, whether it's a habit of drinking more iced coffee for me, or it creates illness in another way in another area, or it creates anger where we're fighting with people It's really important to be able to let those feelings of how we're feeling out. And it's equally important to be able to celebrate our accomplishments because 
it's wonderful to post it all on Facebook. And we all know there's plenty of people who aren't going to cheerlead for us anyway. But with your journal, it's between you and yourself and your higher power, spirit, however you want to refer to. It's that relationship, that sacred relationship between you and that and that piece of paper on where you were on that day. I don't hold on to my journals for a long time. I know there's plenty of people who did. Um, when I got through my grieving process, that grieving was so raw that once I got to the other side, not that you're ever really to the other side, but once I got to the point where, and I think it was three or four good years before I started to feel me, and it wasn't that me. It was a whole different me. Right. Um, I did a ceremony and I burned them. I burned them. I knew that I did not want to go back and reread that because I lived it. And for me, that was what I needed to do. Now I keep them for a year or two. I'd like to go back to visit to see. And I also want to suggest that if you do do that and you keep one, if you miss days, it's okay. I used to buy the ones where I would, that had all the days and then I would fall asleep and I wouldn't do it. And then the next week would come and I would see that five or six days were missing. And then I'd sit there and try to rush to fill in the blank. So I didn't seem like I wasn't journaling. Now I just buy one that is lined and I write the date. And when I write in it, I write in it. You know, it's, it creates a habit to do it every day. And for mm -hmm. some, for me especially, it, it started with one word and then it became a sentence. I think gratitude journals are wonderful to have. And it's okay if you don't feel gratitude that day too. Not that we can't all find something, but sometimes our sadness is just, it overwhelms and we have to let that out. You know, it, we, it, it won't pass sooner or necessarily quicker if we don't have a way to release it from our bodies and be able to share that, you know, and then from there people come along and you talk about it or therapy or whatever, but it's important to let out the good and the bad is my point. I agree. Yeah. I, uh, I have several planners, but I have a memory planner. So I journal. And so I'm actually going to keep them. I hope my grandchildren get to read them someday and, Lovely. and get to see what I was like when I was younger. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So it's fun. But I, I uh, totally agree. It's an, it's important. And it also mm -hmm. studies are showing because dementia is so high in our yeah. society that it triggers parts of your brain, that memory and writing down and all that, that's very healthy for you. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And if we make more time for that because we focus on our self-care and looking after ourselves, it becomes a habit. And that's what the goal of all this is. And so I don't, I hope today for those that are listening that you see how this is all stuff that, you know, it's remembering. Mm -hmm. It's remembering. And remembering, starting with how important you are. Everyone else that you're taking care of comes after that. You know, and they see it too. Children are very intuitive. And so are our coworkers and our spouse and our family and all the things. 
You can tell when people are struggling and suffering. We don't have to be super moms or super women. We just have to be us. Yeah, absolutely. I have to tell myself all the time, it is is as important to receive as it is to give. Lovely. And I agree with you completely. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And for many of us, giving is much more comfortable than receiving. And and they are both gifts that we need to learn to do as humans. Right. Right. And the giving. That's my dog. Um, the giving doesn't have to be this over the top. Right. Sometimes, you know, our time is the most important thing we can do. And I had that experience today. In fact, a good friend needed help. And I drove over and I was with her for two and a half hours and we did a bunch of stuff and I came home and that has no price tag. That has no price tag. Absolutely. I benefited from it too, being with her because it was nice to get away from what I was doing. And she was just as much there for me in a different way as I was there for her and how she needed the help. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Are you working on another book? I'm thinking about it. You need to think more. I'm so excited. I'm thinking about it. Well, thank you so much for taking time to be with us and Please keep us in mind. You are welcome to be a guest anytime. And please reach out to me when you have your new book so we can let everybody I would love know. It. I would love that. That would be great. I would. Absolutely. Thank, you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, and as you all know, Jill's book is called Sacred Space, Turning Your Home into a Sanctuary. And you can get more information or to get her book on her website which is www.jillangelo.com. Besides Jill, I'd like to thank Steve, our sound engineer, for his technical expertise. And I'd like to thank all of you out there, our listeners, for your continued support of all of our shows here on Circle Sanctuary Network podcast of CSNP. Join us for our next Circle Talk on January 2nd in the new year. I look forward to being with all of you again. So please come back. Good night, everyone, and blessed be. Thank you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow nature-centered paths. Join us throughout the week for various programming connecting with the community around the world. Please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash CSN podcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. Until next time, many blessings.